Show number five of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. This is LT, Lena Taylor. And this is JK, Jungle Kitty. And welcome to our podcast. Look at his butt! Hey, welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back. We are up to episode five. Is it five? It's oh, it is five. five. It's, it's five. five already. Yeah. And it's five. We apologize in advance for the echo in the room. We're doing it in a slightly different place than we normally do. We just finished our lunch. Because we're on the run. We are on the run. The next time, it might be from a car. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it would be from a car, from inside the trunk. <laughs> So we have some things that we want to talk about before we get to like the show part of the show. And the very first thing is that um, if you go to the website where you can leave comments, which is lookathisbutt.blogspot.com, we have also added a sign-up page for the mailing list. So if you want to sign up for the mailing list, just go ahead and click on the link and put your name and your email address in there. That's if you don't have a podcatcher like iPodder or iTunes and you want to know when the new episodes come out. And we might also put some other announcements on there if we do fun things or we have something interesting that's happening. So you but can we, sign up. We won't sell your email address to other people that's or right. post it places and spam you and all those bad things this is just for you to get news about looking at his butt. That's right. That's all it is. That, okay. And that that's more than enough. <laughs> Good. Okay, so speaking of comments, we have gotten we comments, comments and we are so excited to, to hear from you. That that just thrills us <laughs> no end. So we got a great one from K1. And actually, K1 posted a couple of things. We're going to assume that this is a woman because she said in listening to our last podcast when we were talking about the Gillette Venus Vibrance, which, as you remember, is a, a, a sex toy masquerading as a razor, <laughs> which I love. Um, she wrote to us, and what did she have to say? Because you can see this better than I can. She says, okay, just bought the razor. I had to stop in the middle of listening to drive to the store and get this. So that's, like, pretty amazing. It's kind of a... A reverse NPR thing because on NPR they're always talking about people who like are listening to a show on the radio and then they pull into their driveways and they have to sit in the car until the show's <laughs> over. So this was different. She had to actually stop the show and go out and buy something and then come back. But that's the beauty of podcasting is because you listen at your own rate. Yeah. If you've had enough of us as if there is such a thing, <laughs> you can stop, run out, buy yourself a sex toy, check it out, come back and hear the rest of the podcast and you'll have missed nothing. But I want to point out that our little podcast now, only up to episode four at that point, has had an impact on Gillette's That's right. sales. That's right. And if one person did this and wrote to us about it, how many of you actually did it and didn't, didn't write, write to us? us? Like, Hundreds. I was going to say three. Okay. Or three. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe we're on our way to corporate sponsorship. That would be funny. Wouldn't that be great if we could say, brought to you by... Sex toys. The Gillette Vibrance Razor. Well, Sex toy. if they would send us some free ones, that would be cool. That would be great because I saw it in the store and I didn't buy it because the thing is like 17 bucks. That's ridiculous. See, I wouldn't spend that much money because I think you can get a better vibrator for less than $17. Mm-hmm. That good vibrations, that, like the cheap ones, they're, yeah. they're good cheap ones are like 8 bucks. Yep. So, yep. there we but, go. But, um, K1, thank you so much for for going out and buying that. And what we want from you now is a report. We want this tested. You can be our consumer affairs person (laughs) and uh, and let us know how it's going. Yeah. 
Okay, the next thing we have is an, an actual piece of fan mail that we got, and this came all the way from Australia. So good day. I'm totally impressed by that. It's a it's a very nice man whose name is Maynard, and um, he says greetings from Australia. My name is Maynard. Oh, sorry, it's May. He says Maynard. It's in the front, but then he misspelled his own name in the text of the email. I misspelled my own name in an email today too. Maynard. And my my name is not as hard to spell as Maynard. So okay, so Maynard. He says he's a radio TV DJ here in Newcastle, north of Sydney. And I've had the honor of meeting the Shat Man twice Yay. when he walked this continent as a god only a few years ago for a convention at the Sydney Entertainment Center. Uh, let's just stop <clears> for a minute and think about that. Walk this continent <laughs> as a god. As if he ever walks any other way. And really, that is true. That is so true. But I'm glad Maynard Mayard has recognized that. He says, I have paid tribute to his musical work on my show, and it is on the Australian Broadcasting Corp site. The link is below. Is there anything he can't do? No. No. Totally not. Totally not. Um, so I actually went and I listened to this clip, and it was, uh, sure enough, it's on the the, um, the equivalent of the BBC, which is the Australian uh -huh. Broadcasting Network, and it's very funny. He plays some of the uh, the bad old music, the Mr. Tambourine Man stuff, and then he played some rather long excerpts from Hasbin, which I thought were really nice, and just talked about very good. the fact that he can do anything. I went to his website, too, and I didn't listen to the clips. Um, I was reading some stuff, and I was going to say something about it, but it went out of my head. So continue. Well, um, so Maynard, he also offers um, to buy us both a drink if we're ever in New South Wales, and that sounds absolutely fabulous. Well, you know what you could do? Because I don't know that we are going to get to New South Wales anytime soon. Um, you could send us an Outback gift certificate, <laughs> and we will go to the local Outback Steakhouse and, and down a Foster's, which we understand is Australian for beer. Do they, they don't even have Outbacks in Australia, though. Probably. They have a real Outback, <laughs> and it's not serving, you know, steaks and blooming onions. <laughs> So thank you, Maynard. That was awfully nice to send us the email, and um, I hope you like the fact that you got plugged in this show. Yes. I'm going to put a link up in the blog to your site and all the fun things that you have there, and I love the pictures of you with all the celebrities. Really oh, good. oh, that was it. That was it. He has got a great picture there of him on the Star Trek set. Did oh, I saw that. that. Yes, I saw when that. When apparently it toured. Just the set <laughs> toured. I, I am so blown away by that. I just love it. The set did a tour of Australia, and Maynard went, and, and in his Star Trek outfit. I love this guy. And he, he sat there and he's got a, a woman there taking with a orders. Spanking list. <laughs> with a spanking list. And he, his, his little uh, comment or caption says something about, here I am barking out important orders about dry cleaning. And I actually did send an email to Maynard telling him how much I enjoyed oh, that. Oh, that's good. Especially the comment about the dry cleaning. That really <laughs> cracked me up. So yay, our first piece of fan mail, and it came all the way from goddamn Australia, which is really? pretty impressive. That is, the, that's about as far away as you can get, you know, unless a penguin from Antarctica <laughs> writes to us, I think that Maynard has the record. Oh, all right. Okay, so we have another thing on the list. Oh, yes. we have a movie review. A uh, very quick movie review. Um, last night I went and saw War of the Worlds, mm -hmm. and I will say this is bad. This is bad, 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 bad. Is it, it bad? Is, it's bad. Um, it's less than two hours long, according to Fandango, and it feels like four to five. <laughs> and, and I'm normally a Tom Cruise fan, and I'm not going to get into his wacko personal life right now because I don't care. To me, he's this fantasy figure, and that's all, and I really don't care what's going on with him and Katie Holmes. But this movie, it's just a lot of action 
with no point. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean even it's going along, going along, going along, and there's no point at the end. There's no point as it's going along. Mm -hmm. It's just just a lot of things happening. But in the look at his butt uh, milieu, <laughs> there is in uh, one of the opening scenes where he's sort of uh, playing catch with his son, he does have a really nice tight blue jean wedgie. So, you know, if a Tom Cruise wedgie is worth nine fifty or whatever to you, go see the movie. But here's the other thing, and the person I was with was also griping about this all the way home, which is Tom Cruise now is 43, 44, something mm -hmm. like that. And he still looks 25, so okay, good for you, Tom, but don't ask me to believe that you are the father of a 15-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl because he looked more like the babysitter. <laughs> it was like, wow, you've left the kids with the babysitter and interplanetary war breaks out. You know, that that would be interesting. This, this was just, just dumb. So he would be like the... Um the pool boy slash babysitter. Yes. Like the, the, the guy, the frat guy who never got a real job babysitter. Him, yes. That guy. That, that's who he is. And, and that's pretty much, yeah, it's bad. The other thing is we saw the coming attraction for Willy Wonka, mm -hmm. which looks really scary. Well, it's a Tim Burton film. It's a Tim Burton film, but I don't mean scary in a good way. I mean scary in that Johnny <laughs> Depp looks just like Michael Jackson. And Willy Wonka's living in a theme park mm. and invites little kids over. And I was getting really creeped out. And I mentioned to the person I was with, I whispered to him after it was over, I said, did that remind you of Michael Jackson? <laughs> and he said, I was just thinking that. So really scary and not for kids and not for grown-ups. Maybe it should only be shown at Neverland. Hmm. So that's that's the movie view from Look at His All right, Butt. that that sounds good. I, I haven't seen any new movies, so I can't comment on anything. Um, I haven't even seen previews, although I do plan on seeing the Fantastic Four movie sometime soon because that looks good. And you can tell us about that? I will, I will. Okay. All right, I think we're going to take... Oh, do we want to do this? No, let's first? take a break. Okay, we're going to Oh, wait, no. This. Oh, yes, this. so let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. Yes, this is really interesting, or it's kind of mind-boggling, bob bobbling and boggling. <laughs> I am both bobbled and boggled here. This is, I went to the uh, the Trek BBS, which is on trektoday.com, and they have a bulletin board there. And it's a neat bulletin board, if you haven't been, because it's broken up into categories. So there's like a special section for discussing fanfic, and a special section for just discussing TNG, and a special section for politics and things that have nothing to do oh, with Star Trek. Good. So that is a cluttering up the rest of the board. I really appreciate the organization on that board. But they had a thread about what should a new Star Trek series be? What would be... Uh, the good idea, another prequel, something very far mm -hmm. in the future, you know, something just post-Kirk or something about the Academy or takes place, you should know. should be all Kirk all the time. All Kirk all the time. Um, so they... <laughs> Kirk versus Picard, live underwater nude wrestling. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... All right. Um, I'm yeah. just blue sky in here. Okay, Berman, if you're listening, that's a better idea <laughs> than anything you have. But um, there was this comment that, that just blew me away, and this is from someone named Mac. And Mac's avatar is a group shot of superheroes, like Superman and Wonder mm -hmm. Woman. They're all looking very superhero butch, you know, with the big chest and little teeny tiny waist. So it's a guy. It's a guy. Definitely. It's a guy. And Mac says, just throw the cannon out the window. Hopefully that could get rid of the fans holding Trek back. <laughs> 
So as we all know, it's been the fans holding Trek back all these years. Yeah, how does that work? I think ever since 1967, um, there have been fans who have secret offices at Paramount who have consistently sabotaged every single Trek series, and they've kept it really from becoming the good thing that it could have become. That's right, that's, that's right. Yeah, I, the, the, the fans have, have been treacherous, I think, is, is the word we're looking for, because I know the, the writers, the producers, everybody there has had great, great ideas, mm -hmm. and the fans have refused to let them do this and have said, we want stupid women in cat suits and high heels, mm -hmm. and we want lizard babies. We want Will to save the ship every time. Excuse me, Wesley, not Will. Wesley. My mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, you know, they break into offices, and they steal the good scripts, and they replace them with bad ones. They make sure that the good actors get fired and the crappy ones get hired. It's yeah. all the fans' it fault. It is the fans' fault. But, you know, the other, other possibility, because yeah. I think this is part of what makes Trek dumb, <laughs> unique in fan dumb, <laughs> which is Star Trek has fans who hate it. <laughs> and I think that's amazing. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's not like, oh, I hated that episode. We've all got certain things. I hate that character. Mm -hmm. There are people out there, and there are people in this room, <laughs> who have such a small niche of Star Trek that they like that they do hate the rest of it. And so, I don't know, maybe we need to tell like an anti-fan convention, a fan hate convention. <laughs> so we can all sit around and bitch about Star Trek. <laughs> God, I hate that fucking show. Man. I have to watch it every damn week. <laughs> they come in, they tie me to the chair, they staple my eyes open, really? so I have to watch it. I Making can't. me waste all this time on these bulletin boards. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can't believe and, and it. And someone has stolen my, my credit card identity, so I just keep getting more and more <laughs> shitty Trek merchandise showing up in my mailbox um, on my porch. It's piled high. <laughs> it's coming out the windows. I've got more phasers than I know what to do with. Oh, um, there is a third possibility that struck me when I was pondering this little haiku, um, which is that he says, just throw the cannon out the window. Maybe it's that he feels... <clears throat> really um, angry about the fact that fans demand that canon actually be paid attention to. So maybe Enterprise for him was a good series because Enterprise really had nothing to do with canon. Like they basically threw canon out the window. It they was AU. They went away, didn't make any sense, they didn't try to hold the universe together, and you know, people didn't like it, so it was canceled. So maybe for him, Enterprise actually was the series that should have been the, the, the best thing. Yeah. But it, of course it got canceled because nobody was watching it. Okay, and in this strange synchronicity that life sometimes throws at us, three things three. happened to me in the past couple of days sort of on, on this, uh, this thread. One is, is the idea of Enterprise and the shows that ignore the past canon pissing the fans mm -hmm. off because I think the people who, who produce these shows, they, they truly do not realize how deeply we've internalized this. And it sort of crystallized because, to me, by a statement, I just was reading the book The Time Traveler's Wife. And at one point, this man who's in his 40s is having a discussion with a 12-year-old girl, and they're talking about religion. And 12 is the age, he feels, where you start to question a little, but maybe mm -hmm. you still believe. So he asked, he's asking her, does she believe in God? And she hesitates and says, yes. And the discussion goes on, and at one point she says, I believe it, but I want it to be true. Mm -hmm. And I thought that sort of crystallizes the feelings of a lot of people about Star Trek. We, we know it's not real, but we want to have as much reality mm -hmm. to it as we can. And, and when 
the later trek spit in its face. Mm -hmm. That is offensive to us. And also then, last night after seeing War of the Worlds, came home and turned on the TV, and what is on but fabulous, fabulous Galaxy Quest. Oh. And the the wonderful moment when he calls Brandon oh, on the box, the and Brandon's best. going, okay, I know it's just a show, and then he tells him it's true. I knew it! And I thought, Brandon, that character has just lived the ultimate fan fantasy. It is. Because we do want it to be true, and we do want that canon to have it's, meaning. It's absolutely true. I, I will say, we will do a whole show about Galaxy Quest one day, because oh, we have to. We love it. But I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and further, I think um, because we as fans have invested a lot of time in thinking about and writing about the show, but we also appreciate the fact that the people involved in the various Trek series, the ones who have put a lot of time into making sure that it does follow canon and that the characters are true, you have to respect that. You know, by doing Enterprise, I think one of the things that pissed people off most was that the, the evil twins, Brennan and Braga, just... <laughs> stepped on everything that had been done, not only TOS, but in TNG, in DS9, even, you know, Voyager to a certain extent. You know, those people took time and effort, all the actors and the writers, the technical people, to make sure that it was the Star Trek universe and that you could believe in it, that you could look at it and go, yeah, I know this place and I know what's going on in it. And that, that was, it was something that you could believe in. They made it believable enough. There was enough detail and everything and consistency that you could. And then to have this other series come in that said, oh, well, that's all shit. We don't really care about well, it. Well, it's, it's like, like coming over from college and your mom has turned your room into a sewing room. Yeah. The, the, where, where, are, where are you in this? Where is all that was familiar to you and that said home? So I think that's why the series failed, ultimately. I mean, bad acting, bad scripts and everything aside, the fact that it just wasn't Star Trek in so many ways. What was there to watch for? Once you don't have the Star Trek universe and interesting things happening in it, what compels you to watch a series like that every week? Nothing. Right, right. Also, Not that damn dog. <laughs> <laughs> but the dog's cute. I'm for dogs. Um, also on the, the line, actually, a fourth thing happened in the same thing, and I think I mentioned this to you in an email. I ran across a story, short story by James Tiptree. I read that story last night. Yeah. That's a great Tip story. Tiptree, and Tip it's tree. called Beam Us Home, and it is available on the internet. You don't have to go out and try to find a book that it's in, but he is a professional uh, science fiction writer. I've read other things of his. But this is also about the idea of wanting to believe in Star Trek and where that leads you. So I, I can yeah. recommend that, and if I can find the link again, maybe yeah. we'll post that on the it's blog. It's in the fiction collection at uh, sci-fi.com. Oh, okay, good. It's really good. Did you know that James Tiptree Jr. was actually a woman named Alice Sheldon? No. For real. She used a Good man's, for you, Alice. Because this was published in like 1967, I Something think. Something like that. And back then it was not really okay to be a woman writing science fiction. Wow. One of my favorite well. authors. Yeah. So we'll put the link up for that. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to do a commercial. Now we will take and our then, break. And then we're going to come back and talk about some really silly stuff. Oh, good. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. No, not a real commercial. This is just to tell you that you can find us at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com where you can leave us messages, you can leave us suggestions, or you can send us email. This whole podcast was recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment 
on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. Okay, welcome back to Look at His Butt, <laughs> a show where we keep telling you we're going to talk about fan fiction, so we decided we finally better break down and actually talk a little bit about some. And this is a story that has never gotten the amount of attention it so richly <laughs> deserves. And we know because we paid a lot of attention to it because we were among the writers. Mm-hmm. This was a group effort. The story is called The Russian Always Screams Twice. And many, many people were involved with this. And in a few minutes, we'll tell you the the list of authors. It was a round robin among a group of friends. But um, when we decided we were going to talk about this, of course, I had to go back and reread it. And I laughed and laughed. It's so funny. But I also realized I could not remember how this story came into being. I know we had a lot of fun before we actually started writing it. So I went back and and rechecked the history. And I want to share a little bit of this with you because this is so amazing to me. The person who actually kicked this off, got Mm -hmm. us going on it, was Helmboy. That's right. It was Helmboy. And Helmboy is the person from whom all blessings flow Mm -hmm. because Helmboy was also the individual responsible for us Deciding to do a podcast. That's true. That's true. So listen it's when all for you, Helmboy. Listen when Helmboy speaks. But the way this came up, this was I don't know, year, year and a half ago, at the time when it was being rumored that Shatner was going to be on Enterprise, That's right. and he'd be playing some incarnation iteration of Kirk. And there were rumors flying about how they're going to do this. He was going to play his grandfather. He was going to play this. He was going to play that. And so this this group. Of, uh, of interested fanfic writers, we were all bemoaning all these ideas and picking the worst one and going, yeah, that's what the one they'll do, or they'll come up with something even worse. And then Helmboy said something like, oh my God, that's so bad. Why don't they just have them end up in the nexus where Kirk is the fry cook at the <laughs> diner on Highway 60? And this got us all going on. Oh yeah, and and her is the waitress, and 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 Sulu is a, a police detective. And the next thing we knew, we were writing this sort of um, Raymond Chandler cheap detective fiction that takes place at the Nexus Diner. And it was a round robin, so you know everybody wrote in, in segment, and you had to write your segment then based on what had preceded it, but mm-hmm. we had not worked out a plot beforehand, and it really, I think it, it is one of the better round robins, it's thanks to the round. person who wrapped it up at the end. <laughs> Which would be me. Which would be you. And that was a real bitch to do, because everybody had all these different <laughs> plot threads going on. We and threw in so much stuff. It's so crazy. So, so um, also some history on, on the group of us who wrote this is that we've written round robins before, and, and we are incapable of writing serious round robins <laughs> is the problem. <laughs> Form doesn't lend it just, itself we to can't do it. So they always end up being these wacky parodies that have nothing to do with anything. And yes. the one before that was the Patriots the, Against the, Communism. The Patriots Against Communism. Which was the Founding oh Fathers God. and Star Trek and oh maybe we'll talk about that one. That day. was an interesting one too. That was funny. <laughs> not not as coherent as this, this one. This, this, and that was the thing about this particular Ran Robin. It did end up being coherent. I think all of the loose ends got wrapped up at the end. The characters had resolution. And it kind of turned out the way you wanted it to turn out. And the other thing that I think everybody who worked on this, I think, probably is a little proud of, is when you read it, I feel it's got a unified voice. It does. It's first person, which is very hard to do with a round robin. And we didn't even think of that, that we were attempting something difficult because we were having too much fun. But I think the voice sustains. And there were, I think, I don't know, six or seven. There were like six or seven people who wrote this thing. Everybody wrote different things. 
So we're going to put up a link to it. Um, yes. Heretofore, this particular story has not been available anywhere else. So this is an exclusive. On ASC. Was it? It wasn't even it, on ASC? It was posted on ASC. Hmm. And um, if you were to Google the ASC group, you can eventually get to it, but it is a major But don't a bother with that. Pain. Just go to the link that I'm going to put up, and it's a cleaned up version too because there were some spelling things and editing. Mm -hmm. So this is the official version. This is the official release. The, okay. All right. This is official. Yeah. Yeah, and it's brought to you by the Gillette Venus Vibrance. <laughs> <laughs> Batteries not included. I don't know that for a fact, though. Maybe they are. So I'm going to read just the very first section because it's pretty short. It's like uh, six paragraphs or so. And this was the setup, and this was written by Jane. But the very first line actually was written by you, JK. I know, and I didn't realize that until I went into the history. I went, oh, my God, I wrote the first line of that, and I'd totally forgotten and, that. And I think we had agreed, actually, that it needed to start that way, or did you just make that up? I think at one point when we were all babbling about, and it should have this, it should have this, and I said, and the first line needs to be something like, like, and Jane ran with it. It's great. All right, so I'm going to read this. <clears throat> and as we said, it's called The Russian Always Screams Twice, which was a silly title. It was called Nexus Diner up until then, but that, that was, was no good. That was, that was boring. This is much better. <clears throat> it was a dark and stormy night. Yay! <laughs> the kind of night that could make meek little triples wish they could grow teeth. I decided to stop by the Nexus all-night diner for a donut, a cup of joe, and a bit of flirting with Uhura. Harry Mudd was in the parking lot as usual. I waved him off and made like I didn't see Janice standing under the diner's neon sign wearing a fake Starfleet uniform that didn't even cover the gap between her nylons and her red panties. Inside, I sat down at my usual table by the door to the men's room and slid a five-credit piece under the dirty plate the busboy was about to collect. Later, Pavel, I said, like I always did. It was past midnight, and the diner was quiet. <clears throat> Nyota was polishing glasses behind the counter, but Sawbones McCoy, the owner, threw a cigar butt at her ass to get her attention. <laughs> get the deputy a donut and a cup of joe, he drawled. She glared at him, but by the time the coffee was slopping over into my saucer, she was all smiles. You're working late, Deputy Sulu, she said. Someone lifted a crate of D from the cargo pad down at City Hall, I said, and vaporized two deputies and a data input clerk. There were three force fields with their own backup generators around that pad, but whoever did it walked straight in. I thought about some of the characters who'd been hanging around the scene of the crime when I arrived, or maybe slithered. A crate of D. That's not something you can sell to a bunch of high school kids. Sounds like someone from off station, she said. Someone big time. We don't have a thing to go on, I said. Then I lowered my voice. Is Jim here tonight? We need some help on this one. <laughs> Yay! What a setup! What an incredible and, setup! And to come up with something like a creative D. Yeah. And and there was no plan. No plan at that point. What what is D? So you bastards left me to figure out what D was going to be. <laughs> and you were a genius. You were a genius. Um, the other authors on this. Let's get that in. So there was that was Jane. Um, Helmboy did part Helmboy, two. Helmboy, the two of us, Meg, Meg. Uh, Wildcat was in there. Rocky was in there. Britta, Britta. of course. I think that oh, might have I, been did it. Did we hit everybody? I think so, because I think there I'm going to feel bad. Yeah, Jane we... actually did two parts. That's right. Yeah, so that was the other part. And, you... and, and I came in, and you did the final two parts, which because was... there were so many threads to pull together. Yeah, which ended up being like 10,000 words or something. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so um, read the story. Tell us what you think. We'd like to know if you like it. It's full of Star Trek in-jokes. I mean, it is just overflowing with Star Trek in-jokes. And my part ended up being stuffed with a lot of other jokes as well because I ran out of Star Trek material. So. <laughs> no, no. There's no such thing as running out of Star so Trek it's material. So got, it's got Beatles jokes, and it's got Galaxy Quest jokes, and it's got 
uh, Lord of the Rings jokes. That's right. That's right. And and, uh, and it's also got an appearance by um, Dumb Tom. Dumb Tom we adore. There, and uh, the monkeys are in there. And uh, <laughs> oh, and and other movie jokes. It's a Mad 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 World joke is yes. in there. It just has everything, every single thing. And it, it, just so you know, this is not one of those round robins that just peters out at the oh, end. No. It is revealed what the what D is, and you know what the the crime is, and who was involved. And uh, it ends. It's up, got a fantastic ending. It ends up with a car chase. That's right. <laughs> at the um, should I say where it ends up? Yes. It ends up at the space carnival. Yay. <laughs> And I think you and I invented the space carnival, actually. And I don't know why we invented it. We were talking we were about how on, one day. I yeah, we were IMing, and I'm, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but it was probably that whole weird conversation about in the '60s. They, when they had sci-fi oh, right. shows, everything on the was early, space. Yeah, the, drink your space, space milk and, right. and get out your space gun. And I don't know where the space carnival came from, but I got to tell you, the level of detail you supplied in your descriptions <laughs> of what the different. Um, booths and carnival attractions and games and everything were at the the space carnival. Just, it's mind blowing. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a very fun story. It's probably no fun at all if you know nothing about Star Trek. That's and in true. that way, it's like Galaxy Quest. It is. It, it relies a lot on prior knowledge, um, but it's fun. And you know what? I have to say because we're all really good writers, it's a really well written story. You know, it's not full of stupid fucking spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes and weird sentence construction. It's it's really well written and it's funny. Every part of it is funny. That's true. That's true. So we heartily encourage you, go read The Russian Always Screams Twice and let us know what you think. Yes, and we will share your comments, of course, with the other writers. So if you specifically want to compliment Rocky or Britta or, you know, one of the other writers on something they did, be assured that we will pass that Absolutely. on. Absolutely. And if you like that we'll we'll post and talk about more fanfic that we've done too. So I think that that sort of wraps wrap, wrap, wraps up this segment. We should not drink Diet Coke before Probably we do the not, show. Probably not, because then we wouldn't talk quite so fast while we're doing it. <laughs> or maybe it was that hot Vietnamese food. I don't know. That's true. We just had a delicious lunch here. It was great. And, you know, maybe we can get them to sponsor the show, too. Oh, that would be great. I'll have to go across the street and talk to them. <laughs> I've seen a part of myself no man should ever see. Okay, so now we are at one of our favorite, favorite segments of our show, which is dedicated to EVEs. <laughs> and I will remind you that that stands for Extremely Visible Erection. And talk about Extremely Visible. Oh, boy, have we got a dilly for you. And, of course, this is Shatner we're talking about here. I mean, who else would it be? But who just, else? Just to clarify. Just In to case clarify. you thought, you know, it was Will Wheaton or some Somebody cat or something. Um, but this one, the episode we're talking about is Obsession. And that's the one where we get a lot of great backstory on Kirk, his his first deep space assignment under Captain Garavik, who died. And... Um, this is the one where they're pursuing this cloud creature that mm -hmm. sucks everybody the red blood out of people, and, and that's how it, it kills them. But for a couple of years now, I've been thinking of this as the mystery EVE. <laughs> the reason being, I originally taped this show um, a few years back when they were showing it on the Sci-Fi channel. They were showing Star Trek every day at the same time, so you could actually program and tape it. And when I watched the tape of this, 
there was such an incredible EVE when he was on the bridge. I, I couldn't even believe it. And I started telling people about it, you know, online chatting about it. And they'd say, oh, I just looked at it. I don't, I don't see it. What What are you talking about? Oh, it's, it's in this scene. He's standing right by Uhura. He's sticking it in her face. I don't see it. I don't see it. And then, you know, I had Lena over and some other friends. And, and we watched it on my TV. And they're like, yeah, we it's there. So I brought the tape to mm -hmm, a con. Mm -hmm. Got a bunch of people in. We're going to look at this fabulous EVE. Popped it in. And I don't know. The damn cheap television. <laughs> bad quality in the hotel. Nobody could see it. I couldn't even see it. And I can see these things. So I was going, what the hell is this? So we just watched the episode on the DVD. On DVD, of course. And I, I'm going to give you the number of the frame. Mm -hmm. you, want to, you want to watch the whole episode because it's so great. But there are several scenes where Kirk comes onto the bridge and I kept going, okay, it's this one. Oh, no, it's not. Okay, it's no, it's not. Um, it is a scene on the bridge about three quarters of the way through. The numbers are 42 minutes, 14 seconds into the episode without commercials. Mm -hmm. And he is giving orders to Uhura to, to send some message to Starfleet Command, but Wow, we we set this on pause and stepped all the way through it, and it is it is beyond prominent, wouldn't you say? It is, and we were we were lamenting the fact that the the um, instrument panel is also black because if he had turned profile and it hadn't been black, it would have been perfect. But luckily, most of the time he's standing at a sort of a three-quarter pose, mm -hmm. and you pointed out that it is so prominent that it's pulling his trousers, trousers. up. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really just bursting to get off the leash and get out and run around the bridge. It's true. And in fact, you notice throughout much of the episode, his his package is incredibly prominent, especially when they're on the planet. And yeah, and, and I scenes. I said maybe the transporter makes him hard because every time he gets down to a planet, it's like boing, 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 it's you know. right there, right uh, there. And uh, or we're also thinking maybe it's cold medication because he has a cold in this episode. Shatner does. <laughs> he some sounds of, like this. <laughs> some of his lines are pretty funny. Also, um, there's some wonderful butt shots, and and mm -hmm. we should just point out that some of the best butt shots are whenever he goes upstairs, like steps up onto the transporter steps up mm -hmm. onto the, the level of the bridge that Uhura is usually at. And in this scene with the EVE, <laughs> as he's heading up towards Uhura, the back of his pants are shiny. They're really so it's shiny. Sh it's shiny butt. Look at his <laughs> shiny butt. And then he gets down on the planet and gets in a fight with Garavit, so we get dust on those black pants mm -hmm. and a dirty butt. That is... That's really Plus, there's a scene early on where he's lying on his bed in his quarters, which is always interesting <sighs> yes. because it's his bed. <laughs> and, he's and he's lying, lying on it. it. <laughs> and we're wondering what's underneath <laughs> it and what's in the box. And there's Because there's a big box. It's like a toy chest on top of his headboard thing. And, and we know what toys know are in there. In there. It's, his, it's his vibrating razor. It is. <laughs> he's got the Vibrates, the Vibrates 2100. He's got, it, it's full of sex toys. You it just is. know it. It is. It absolutely is. And and I think we also had observed that um, Spock has a similar toy chest in his quarters too. Right. And we also saw in this episode that um, Lieutenant Garavik apparently had stolen Kirk's 3D <laughs> chest set. Right, and And what quarters. else did he have? Something else that we normally associate with Kirk's quarters. He had a spanking list in he his quarters. He had the spanking list. Oh, yes. I don't know about that. Yeah, that well, was... He was the security guy, but I don't think he was supposed I, to have I don't, a spanking list. I don't think he was supposed we to either. We should probably tell them what the spanking list is. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, the spanking list. And we will definitely put a link up to that. So we're going to kind of backtrack here, here many years. And um, a, a good friend of ours who used to hang out on Ask Him a lot with us, is Robin Lowry. Mm -hmm. And at one point she observed, 
or we have observed all of us many times, you know, that beautiful yeoman always handling, handing Kirk things to sign on that pad. And Robin finally identified that to my satisfaction, which is it's the spanking list. And that's the sort of thing that just sets me off in a, in a, in a happy, happy way. And I wrote a series of stories about the spanking list. So what you need to know is the spanking list is Starfleet's primary motivating tool. Um, people join Starfleet. They want to get the starship assignments. They want to have these adventures. They want to be in danger because it gets you points. And you move up the spanking list. Mm-hmm. And to be spanked by the captain of the starship is a, a huge, huge privilege. So we're always, you know, you're talking about the spanking list and pointing mm-hmm. it out in episodes and... And we even saw a spanking list in, in one of the very first episodes of Boston Legal, That's which was right. a lot of fun. It was hilarious. <laughs> but it, to just show you how, how whacked out and carried away I get with this, the very first time when I was going to um, get William Shatner's autograph, I was going to a con, and it was um, not my first con, but it was the first one he was going to be at, and I had a ticket to get his autograph. And so before I went, I was thinking, what will I have him sign? I have pictures, I have toys, what will I have him sign? And then suddenly, you know, it, it came to me, or someone suggested to me, who knows, but I went and got the Starfleet fonts, and I made up a spanking list. And I, I printed it out, and it's got the name of me and, and my friends and, and people who wanted to be spanked by Captain Kirk <laughs> on this official Starfleet spanking list. And uh, William Shatner did sign it, and it was it was truly wonderful because everybody else, you know, in the line is slipping him pictures and, and posters and things to sign. He's just signing them, and he saw this, and it's all print. So he very, very intelligently stopped because what could he be signing? An IOU, something, you know, he, he took a look at it. Bill, of course, did not bat an eyelash. He does not want to get involved with the fans and their silliness at all. But he did sign it, and he didn't sign it down in the little signature slot. He boldly signed right across it, and that really is, um, like, the, the centerpiece of my whole <laughs> silly collection. But we will post a link so you can see the spanking list. And now when you watch episodes, you'll, you'll go, how did Lieutenant Garovic get that spanking list? Really? The yeah. spanking list. The People sp- are always jockeying to be at the top of the spanking list. I, and that's what the whole series of stories was yeah. that I wrote about, you know, what are, the, what are the various iterations of the spanking list? What are its uses? And there is one actually about young U- Lieutenant Kirk and <laughs> Captain Garovic. So it ties into I obsession. Was th- I was thinking about that story while we were watching the episode, actually. <laughs> yeah, me too. I have to say. <laughs> And actually, I sat here and wrote myself some notes for another story while we were watching it. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm such a spanking Kirk geek. Um, so um, the other things we were, were just wanted to mention in the episode to just kind of get off track on more mundane things is the lighting in this is it's really good. is really wonderful. They do it, it's more vivid. It's more colorful than mm-hmm. most episodes, I believe. And um, in a lot of them that are interior shots. Um, you'll notice that the, the walls are different colors depending on who they're focused on, but it's not in this uh, way that gives you a sense of dis- discontinuity. And, and the, the, the lighting of those walls, the different colors, really enhance the scene because I was really noticing in the scene with the crewman, who I believe later dies, but who's in sick bay and mm-hmm. being questioned by Kirk, that it was a bright blood red yeah, behind them. Yeah, it was. Them. It was and a beautiful it, red wash. And the it scene is great. a very intense one, and so that really, really mm-hmm. worked for it. Yeah, it was great. They did a really good job with all of the, the sets on that one. Better than usual, I think. Maybe they had a little more money to spend on it because there were only a couple of planet scenes. And, um, you know, the budgets for the episodes kind of depended on 
how much they needed to spend on the location stuff right. and the the special effects and the monsters. And this one, the monster was basically dry ice. Right. <laughs> Except they did have to do the one special yeah. effect with the, you know, to when they had to superimpose the monster moving in on people and things. But whenever it sort of crept in, yeah, but it was I just think smoke. In general, they probably had a little more budget to spend yeah. on, on the nice things to make it look a little better. Well, and this isn't third season. This no, is second. second. Season, yeah, because right? yeah. Yeah, Chekhov was there. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's Chekhov's main function is to tell us this is not first season. I think that's his use <laughs> for me. And uh, I don't know. There are some great, great comic moments, such as you know Spock trying to hold the creature back by putting his, his hands. hands over the air vent, and then Kirk telling Scotty to flood the air vents with radioactive <laughs> waste. Wow, that's a little extreme. <laughs> the operation was a success, but the patient died. <laughs> But there's some good stuff in here, and, and uh, Shatner is, is remarkably restrained in portraying the obsession stuff. He he doesn't um, let it all hang out like in some of the other episodes. Right, he's not foaming at the mouth, but he does. he's very tightly wound mm-hmm. in this, and that expresses a lot of it. Also, his scenes um, that he has in the, in the briefing room and later in his quarters with McCoy and Spock, and it's the two of them against him, mm-hmm. which is kind of an unusual dynamic for the three of them. Those are really well played. They're really good, yeah. And, uh, and and they're a little unusual, like you were pointing out in the one in his quarters. He's seated listening to them, and they're standing, and that's not usually the way that works. Mm-hmm. But um, I like the scene, too, you know, where he, you know, tells Garabek he's confined to quarters, and he's a very, very stern, very strict, very snappish sort of captain there, which is a different side of his command persona mm-hmm. that I believe we don't see a lot. My good friend Pine Tree mm-hmm. points out that he's always yelling at the crow. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's her vision, and we'll be checking that out too. Um, but it, it's it's a very different different thing, and that he's not really listening to his officers. Yeah, yeah, which doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. He's usually... Um, much better about the way he is in command, but he is really obsessed in this one. Yeah, much more so than when he gets distracted by things in other episodes. And this right. one, he really is obsessed with something. And now, completely off topic, but it just occurred to me because Christine Chapel is in this episode. I was going to say something <sighs> about her, but I wanted to mention mm-hmm. <laughs> about that. I recently um, rewatched What Are Little Girls Made Of, and there is a scene in that. In case you haven't seen it, if you, in case you're a fan of Christine's butt, I don't know why you're listening to this show, but um. <laughs> She turns and walks away, and she's got a wedgie. <laughs> I mean, that, that weird skirt culotte thing is just, it's upper butt. Oh, man. You know, and I'm like, ow, poor Christine. I mean, her fiancé's a robot, and she's got a wedgie. Jean must have said, I like that. Leave that in. <laughs> that works. <laughs> works for me. Actually, he had him leave it in so nobody would suspect that was his girlfriend, because, of course, you'd never make your girlfriend have a wedgie <laughs> on, on camera, TV. really. <laughs> So anyway, obsession, 42 minutes, 14 seconds, goes on for several, several seconds, and especially if you've got your pause button yeah, and you're, you're you stepping step through, through it. it. But so we'll, we'll definitely screen cap that and put that up at the blog at uh, lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. You can see those, those lovely images. So, so check it out. We give that one uh, two EVEs up, I think. <laughs> at least. <laughs> I think the whole bridge crew is standing at attention. <laughs> <laughs> 